Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 11th of April 2022. Now, 11th of April is my birthday, and this year I'm 60, which now makes me older than the average age of farmers. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Certainly looks more impressive on the gravestone, I guess, if I make it that far till Monday. But anyway, happy birthday to me. Right, we'll start with Aussie Rape. Do you know what? I'm not in the office and I don't know what the price is, so I'm going to take birthday liberties and say, old crop we've mentioned before, and new crop, yeah, if you need or want to sell, they're reasonably near contract highs continuously every week, so give us a call. I can't see any pressure to the downside of any note with the sunflower situation from the Ukraine, so a bullish ongoing market, we believe. I mean, there has to be a time when profits need to be taken and we're going to have a profitable crop. And certainly the crop looks well, albeit it's getting some frosts at a bad time. It's it's getting well into flowering now and frosts keep coming. So whether that's going to do any damage, well, we'll see shortly. Moving on to feed wheat. The market slipped below £300 a tonne. It's a little bit easier in the last few days. Certainly, I think the consumers have been in the market. There's been a lot of trade going on the last two or three weeks. They still have got to buy their June-July portion of feed wheat and, to a degree, May. I don't see any pressure on the consumer, particularly during April and May, although there is stiff competition from UK ports to take deliveries of feed wheat because several boats are committed from the East Coast to go up north to supply the shortage up there. Now, that could create a bit of life in our market down here. At this moment in time, futures are not moving from store. I am expecting any minute the call to come for people to start shifting it and putting it down the road to the ports. So whether that will liven things up enough, whether that will bring some farmers out to the market, whether you know people rushing around trying to fill a boat because they can't get logistics done and paying up might just keep it held or supported for a while. I kind of think it's happy to trade 295-ish to 300 range for the foreseeable future, especially bearing in mind the number of cheap contracts that are held in the oh, relatively cheap, you know, £212 a tonne is cheap now, don't forget. So it's yeah, people focusing on getting those contracts moved and not allowing people to default. Although I think if anyone defaults a merchant, there's a bill, there'll be a very big black mark. One year's gain for lots of years, uh, we aren't trading with you. The millers, I think, sorted themselves out pretty well. There is still trade going on and there's a few premiums creeping back for soft wheats, hard wheats here and there. So that one's not all over yet. I think the general tightness of the market in June, July is going to be the main leading cause. And it's very clear that People like me aren't particularly interested in selling July wheat. If we can clear everything out, prices have already gone above where we expected them to. If I can get my stores empty and I can get the money in and get it put to bed early, it would be great to go into the harvest with clean, swept out, sanitised sheds without like last minute dot com stuff trying to get that done. Now, I expect an element of that with the futures store stuff because I'm not in control of when that moves. But all the stuff that I'm in control of, I don't see 
any particular point in hanging on. And I think that should apply to farmers as well. You know, if you're going to make an extra, I don't know, an extra fiver, let's say, for July movement over June movement, is it worth it? Yes, it is on a piece of paper. But if you're selling the June bit for £300 a tonne, it's fairly academic in my view. Every penny counts. Feed barley still buoyant. Not very much feed barley, if any, at all about. The only stuff we've been trading is stuff that's not making it as malting. I'm not quite brave enough to sell every single tonne that I think I've got. I need to know I've got it before I sell it. And we're rapidly going through our tonnage in store and selling it and moving it. So hopefully we'll get down to nil stock of that before we get to the end of May. And yeah, it will be very tight until the new combines start to roll. In my view, harvest will be back to normal timing. We will see reasonably early in July barleys, very early ones coming off, and we will see some wheat from somewhere in the UK in July as well, depending on what happens next. The weather forecast, pretty cold for April, but the crops look exceptionally well. As you hear in the later podcast, it's an in-house one. Josh and Ben went up to Yorkshire the week before. I'd been down to Southend and travelled up the East Coast on the A12. And all of the crops, top to bottom, look absolutely amazing. There is the odd crop that's not quite right, but even they look better than the best ones did last year. So I think, at the moment, prospects for yields for harvest are very, very good. Prospects for price for new crop, well, feed wheat for November currently is about 262x farm. So it's near contract highs. That seems to be buoyant, remaining buoyant. I think that we will see the war in Ukraine having a new phase shortly where he's going to do something fairly dastardly in the south, which is where all of the grain exports are. So, yeah, that's not going to go away in a hurry. And the damage to a large degree is done, although lots of planting has gone on. It's really whether they get the opportunity to continue with the process of growing a good crop. So 262x farm November is pretty hefty. And if you take harvest to be something like, I don't know, 255, something 250 plus for immediate movement, I think we've all got to be very clear on this. Regardless of how much you paid for your fertiliser, it is going to be a profitable season. The only thing that's slightly out of sync at the moment, in my view, is some malting barley premiums. There's some prices for post-harvest movement, which are ranging up towards almost £300 a tonne X-Farm for some high nitrogen or 185 nitrogen certain varieties. Yeah, in my view, the crop looks exceptionally well. And if it comes home with anything like a normal crop, if the conditions are fair, then I think we could be seeing a fall off of that premium. So maybe if someone's brave enough, they might look at forward selling malting barley. Not every maltster is inclined to pay up at the moment. There's one or two that are out there who are, and they're kind of leading the charts. That's possibly worth having a look at with your merchant or even better with doing grain. Anyway, with that, happy birthday to me and enjoy our in-house. I'm having one of my Gerald Ratner moments on this one. So uh, farmers, forgive me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. If ever there was a time to own central grain store tonnage, it's now. Yeah Grain at Cantley takes the worries and stresses of grain drying and storage away. Members of the store can harvest without delay and can bring their produce in the day it comes off the combine, all with discounted drying and servicing charges. Call 01493 700 447 or 01263 731 550 for details. Yeah Grain, providing the grain handling you need.
Right, this week we're having a, an in-house jobby and we're going to give the Easter weekend a miss, namely because it's a four-day weekend and the next week's fairly tight and on Monday next week it is my birthday and I am 60, which is rather okay. shocking. Yeah, looks impressive on the gravestone. Anyway, last week we did the podcast with Choco, Paul Sakira, and it had a really good response from people. Very happy to hear his dulcet tone on the podcast. And we actually had Richard Whitlock phone up and just have a bit of a chat, which was a ray from the grave. But that was great because he sent us his newsletter and he actually then phoned up Choco to admit he was wrong, although I think he tried not to. But Choco <laughs> says he actually did say, look, Richard, you said... I'd be out of business, and here I am, 29 years, years later. later. It was an awesome podcast, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's part of it, we don't know if you term it on the podcast, but we're in the office, we call it the Legend Series. Yeah, that was a classic example, it, it was, was brilliant. I laughed, even as me and the, the conversation, it was, yeah, it's really good, and I'm so glad, I'm so glad I got him on there, I've been trying to do that for two years. Anyway, right, Webby, we've got the other two coming in a minute, our northern correspondents, have been doing, been up to Yorkshire doing some missionary work? They have, but I think it's a case of beer avoidance at the moment because they so? had an overnight stay. They did phone at four o'clock and they said, oh, we're just going back to the hotel to go and do some work and get laptops out. But <laughs> I think it lasted about two minutes and then they tried to sell some local owls, I think. Ben looks peaky, doesn't he? So they've yeah. literally just arrived, so we'll get him in a minute. Anyway, I have poured out a beer because I not had any at all. So big, bold and hoppy, mad about our beer. I've got a Lansdowne West Coast IPA. 5%. I'll have a quick swig. It looks really good in the glass. Really good. And I've got... Very nice. Never seen this before. Vocation, hop, skip and a juice, hazy pale ale. Okay. No idea where this has come from. I, I know where they've come from. Susie, our cable broke and she lent me her cable. She knows that weird beers annoy me, she said. So she brought <laughs> strange beers in. Anyway, Susie, your, good on isn't that weird? That's, that's no, mine's great. Beer. That's why yeah. I picked it up and stole it. But um, we're hoping one of the other boys will have the brew dog layer cake, which is marshmallow and chocolate stout. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on to business. I want to, because we're leading into a a week's layoff as well, I want to talk about a few things that are outstanding. First things first, I've had several people contact me about the situation with our Ukrainian refugees. I'm afraid if you want to read any article you like in any of the papers, I'm sure the right-wing papers will be beginning to get a bit embarrassed by this. Our government is a complete sham. They are cruel, nasty people, and there is no other way I can describe them. They are three weeks on. Last week, Tess had to go out and reassure R2. R2 is safe. We've got them in a safe place. They've got some money to live on. They've got some new clothes. I can't stress enough how awful it is for individuals, but there are millions of people, women and children, who are being preyed upon by sex traffickers. Their choices are, when they run out of money, to sleep in a station or a refugee station where people are genuinely, you know, are they real or are they not? Any form of refuge is better than sleeping on the floor. Do they go home, get raped, get killed? You name it. And the analogy, I've had a number of correspondents with my Tory MP locally, and he applied for his Ukrainians five or six days after us and miraculously managed to get his through. And uh, I'm told it's because they have strenuous checks on who they are first and that's why he's came through early. But the reality is it looks like Tory donors or MPs seem to have a bit of preference. I'm, I'm being biased here. But in such support of the local MP, he has actually helped. He's tried. His secretary or his assistant has regularly been contacting us and saying we've been onto their home office we're asking specifically about your case they've worked really hard 
I'm not criticising him as an individual, but there is a point at which he must realise that his party, his Prime Minister, has stood in front of Parliament and been asked a specific question, and, 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 and we, 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 we've offered homes for, for Ukrainians, and, and yes, thousands, thousands of places, and, and nothing. How many people have actually come? Uh, 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 we've offered 20, 30, 40 million, thousand billion. The truth is there is a deliberate tactic to keep people out of this country, hoping that other countries will take the responsibility off. They can all pretend, as they like, that it's appalling. There's an article in The Guardian which kind of nails it. I read this morning, which I don't normally buy that, but someone passed it to me because I was just moaning. And he said, read this, and it kind of sums it all up. The analogy I used was, when I wrote my last email to the MP, was I said, it's rather like the deck of the sinking Titanic. And the official says, look, you know, we're just going to check that you're allowed on this deck before you let you on the lifeboat. So one of our team is sending a telegram and we'll get back to you in the morning. And that's it. It was a very, very well-written email. I thought it was great. It almost (laughs) worthy of reading out now. The sum of it was that. The rest of it was a bit like beer and twistedness, wasn't it? But the point is, it is true. The next morning, the ship's gone, the person's dead, and it's like, oh, they didn't seem to want to come then. We offered our help. So, yeah, I am steaming, and I am embarrassed, and so should all of you. Your government is an embarrassment. It is absolutely and all of you who say you shouldn't Boris Bash on the rest of it let's look at Partygate you know let's look at that let's look at the Tory MP who said he collects dandruff in lines if anyone hasn't seen the yeah, picture it's and pretty the, awful he has now gone into a psychiatric ward I think because he can't hack it but he was supposedly seen with a load of white powder which is Claimed to be years worth of dandruff collected. Because he strangely likes to collect it. Yes. And yeah. put them in lines on his desk. Exactly. Yeah, in front of him, yeah. And there's a picture with a glass with... God knows what he was and thinking not whiskey. coming up with that. Yeah. It's not whiskey. It's, it's probably not dissimilar to Prince Andrew's Pizza Express alibi in the same sort of vein, isn't it? It was me. Shaggy. Yeah. Great record. And uh, it's the Tory, actually, is their new anthem. They are losing, if they hadn't already, but lost a lot of credibility. At what point does even the blindest believer realise that they've got a pack of fibbers at the top? It's not just Boris who's fibbed to Parliament. You know, Yvette Cooper asked her a specific question, she gave the wrong answer. She didn't know, she just went, yes, just to get them off her back. She'd lost her rag, wasn't able to bully everybody on that occasion. She's not been seen. Has she gone into the common sense? You know, it's probably said, no, you better not go in, love, you lose your rag a bit. Anyway, that's another one. If we went to war, would you believe... Boris. No. Over you go, boys. Cabinet right behind you. Off you go. Oh, I don't think he would fancy himself as a bit of a oh. Churchillian-style Prime Minister if it came yeah, to... Yeah, but it's gone too far. He's, he, he can't do the job anymore. No one believes a single word anymore. I'm yeah, saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely nobody. Unfortunately, yep. that started, though, with the Brexit campaign, didn't it, really? We've right. turned into a political podcast. <laughs> as I say, last week, Tess went to Poland put R2 right, but the reality of what's going on all around them is just horrific and it's happening in our name. Right, I'll move on. If we go to war, I've got another subject while I'm on it, because I'm going to be 60 and what the hell, you know, my career can be ruined now. Your podcast, it's fine. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you work for the company. Right, so farmers, much as I love farmers, we've asked several farmers in the right moment or in the right circumstance the question, if there was a war, would you sign up? Right, And to a man, every single one of them has said no, because they're vital for food production. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I understand that. 
some of them have said, yep, they'd have to learn how to drive the machinery so their men could go, which is kind of, <laughs> you know, let's all realise that for what it is. Okay, they're expendable, they can die, but I have seen privately educated and therefore I need to live and make sure everyone's gardens are tidy in the village by trimming their bushes. However, I've got a question for these brave young men. Why has one section of society been practising shooting for 75 years? Now it comes to the moment when they can actually utilise that skill. They don't want to do it. Ian. Very true. <laughs> Is it because these pheasants shoot back or, you know, it makes me just slightly angry? I think you'd be surprised by the response. I don't think you'd be... You think they'd be there in their I numbers? Think I think you'd see more... I don't think it'd be a complete blanket of no one would... You're On the basis of the conversations I've had, I don't believe you. I think they genuinely believe they're vital for food production, therefore they won't go. That's it. I just find that a little appalling. I, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe war is different now and it's, you know, should be worrying about digging holes in the ground and hiding ready for the nuclear blast. I put that out there because it has come up. And my point about the shooting is true. They're the only people yeah, who've been shooting. Yeah. Perhaps you stay at home and shoot the Chinese when they invade or the whoever it is. Right, now I've lost all my customer base because I've called them, you know, whatever. <laughs> Let's talk about the crop. You know, yeah. Ukraine. Will it get planted or yes. will it get harvested? It's got planted. Lots of it's planted, isn't it? Yeah, so the crop is in the ground. The spring cropping's questionable. But talk about farmers, when we've just gone through that scenario, we are led to believe that with war going on, farmers are still farming it. So some of the analysts have come out of 50% downgrades on crops. I mean, so how the hell do you quantify that? I don't know. I think there's more than 50% planted. I don't necessarily think more than 50% will be optimum. I think the biggest issue is the war's going to drag on, isn't it? Yeah. And he's going to eventually get a stranglehold on the south coast, which will stop any possibility of real big volume coming out of the country. It's completely landlocked. It's not going to end. No. That Polish... Prime Minister was it who said to Macron, what, what were you doing? You spoke to Putin 17 times. What did you achieve? <laughs> I like that. But no, no one's achieved anything, have they? Go now, sit the other end of that table, I'll nod my head and scowl at you and think, what a dickhead, and then I'll do whatever I want. But the reality is probably he's, this has been his agenda for the last 10 years plus, hasn't it? 25, really? 35 yeah. years, yeah. The, the Ukrainian supply, let's talk about just purely grain, is going to be extremely limited more so than people realize several grain facilities have been taken out so it's going to be very difficult to harvest it store it and move it anywhere that wants to buy it so there's some stuff can come across towards poland i think the rail infrastructure is really limited from what i was led to believe it's not have to change the wheels yeah at the border which is fine let's just change ukrainian railway lines to the same as European ones and then change them at the border with Donetsk which will be the new Russian border so alright that's that one it's not going to supply the goods so that means that it is going to stay firm full stop we believe that our current assessment and bearing in mind I did say he was going to invade so therefore I am now the authority on what happens next China has sent out something saying they've had a problem with their wheat crop haven't they? yeah I think it was 30% of their wheat crop was problematic in terms of drilling because of excess rainfall we saw a presentation where someone highlighted the point at which they suddenly found 150 million tonnes of wheat stock a few mm. years ago. Yeah. And they did it in a way to force prices down. And the next thing you knew, they were in buying yeah. 25 to 30 million tonnes well, of grain. I think the thing that was highlighted, and it kind of looks a bit obvious now, but I hadn't considered it, is the Chinese were the keen buyers of soybeans. That's the one crop they want. So how do you get cheap soybeans? And the view is you make your other crops nearby cheaper. So declare higher wheat stocks it might help their cause buying beans so kind of makes sense 
And the, the analyst that we saw was talking about ticking time bomb with Chinese stocks. Is it there at all? Yeah, but then why would they... And as I said, you know, everything that comes out of China, being very cynical, is to suit the Chinese. Right. Why have they then come out and said 30% of the crop is under threat? You know, that's a really bullish story. If you come out with saying there's something wrong with it, it's a bumper crop, that's it. Yeah. Push your price and, up, they'll have something to sell. Unless they're trying to screw the rest of the world with food price inflation. Yeah, and they can buy theirs cheap with a deal off with, their with made Russia, Maybe, yeah. It has given India the opportunity to export some of the surplus because their price paid to farmers, a guaranteed price, is higher than the rest of the world's prices. And now the rest of the world's caught up and overtaken. They actually get rid of some stocks and make a profit out of it. So they will reduce their stocks, which must be quite good for them. And apparently, I think their storage facilities are better than what I was getting. The pictures of sacks with rats, you know, and all that. I think it's moved on a bit. Yeah, yeah, of course it has. I mean, there's more billionaires in China than there is in the UK, even though we send them aid. That's another one. Upset the Chinese, upset the Russians. Who's next? US. What can we say about them? Politically or... Let's talk about the crop first. There's rain, doesn't it? There's a bit of rain, wasn't there? Yeah, there has been some rain. It was a Monday night crop report. The US wheat crop condition was very bullish. It was from 40% expected to be good to excellent down a report number of 30% good to excellent. So, yeah, that kind of spun the market. And what did we see? Did we see a 30, 40 cent rise? Yeah. New contract okay, highs yeah. on corn, new contract yeah. highs on just about every contract. Yeah. New contract high on London wheat today. So, yeah, that has been the key news of the week, I guess, just to take it a bit further. And the weather is ultimately in charge from now on. Politically, if the president sticks to the script, he's OK and everything seems to be sort of calm. If he doesn't stick to the script, then nuclear war, here we come. Because <laughs> he's gone offside a couple of times and he bless him, bless his old socks. One of the things I did should have mentioned but the acreage report that came out was it last week was it last thursday i can't remember now mm-hmm. the trade got it wrong by two million acres so rather than being i think 91 million that was forecast it was 89 million okay because they've switched into soya yeah they were growing the cheaper crop growing soya uh-huh. which i think then takes the stock to use below 10 percent, which then makes it worryingly tight well uk in our experience down here looks brilliant doesn't it east Anglia yeah it does yeah yeah we've got some Really good looking crops. So I came up from South End and travelled right the way up the East Coast, far Ipswich, where we were loading a boat, all the way through Halesworth and up to Norwich. And in every inch of every field, it looked exceptionally brilliant. And now I've got both Josh and Ben, who don't look as special as they should do, are going to give us a crop report. So who's grabbed the mic? Ben. I was going to say something northern, but I can't. <laughs> yes, crops look... They look good. They looked very good all the way along. There's some really nice ones, really nice crops. (laughs) We even drove past Hemswell Cliff. Yeah, the crop around Driffield was particularly nice. Right, seriously. Did did you two even actually look at a crop? You told me you were in a field yesterday. Ben's been asleep all It's all grass to me, mate. (laughs) All joking aside, the crops, I was in Framlingham Monday. Oh, oh, that's not going around Driffield. I was in Framlingham Monday with Joe. Things look unbelievable down there. I've covered then, that already. I yeah. did Halesworth. <laughs> they look better on the other side of the wash than they do in Norfolk, in my opinion. Rapes is not so good. We had good walk round session in some of the fields. <laughs> Why is that so funny? <laughs> we had a good session. We met some very funny farmers who told us a spade's a spade and put the world straight. Yeah. The farmers there are definitely amusing, anyway. And then Josh took me out in Driffield. Yeah, Driffield. 
<laughs> oh I wouldn't rush back. In fact, we actually went and had like a cup of tea with someone that Ben knew who lived like 10 minutes away. She's lived there all of her life and she's never been out in Driftfield. And even she said, why did you go out in Driftfield? <laughs> and what was the pub called then? Well, we started off at number 41, which is where we were staying. That was the hotel. Yeah. And then we went to a pub called the Butcher's Dog. And it was a proper micro pub with really good beer. Okay. So we had some nice beers there, and I got chatted up by some weirdo. Yeah, and there was this guy who was drinking like what looked like tea, the local drunk, I think. He was quite amusing, to be <laughs> fair. Yeah. Then um, we went to a pub called the Cross Keys, and was he a frontier rep? That guy. <laughs> oh. I think he was actually. Yeah. He's wearing one he of their caps. Just, yeah, he was just hiding. Yeah. And then we went to the Cross Keys, and. Oh, in the Cross Keys, while we were standing there, these really funny people, they're all a bit weird, but these people came in with a level and they put it on the pool table and they started to level the pool table. Which is weird anyway, isn't it, right? <laughs> yeah, and then, it gets better. So later on when we had dinner, we sat next to these people and we told them this little story and anecdote. Yeah, that's never really been level, that table. <laughs> <laughs> It's like everyone in Driffield knows that the ta- you have to bring your own level to level the pool table. <laughs> yeah, but it depends who does the levelling, doesn't it? You know, left arm swing and all that, you know. Funny lot. Then we ended up back at our hotel and I went to bed and I left Josh downstairs. Oh, that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, you look remarkably rubbish. Is there anything else about the north of England that you'd, you know, did you manage to convert anyone into Christianity or something like that while you're up there? Well, I know our podcasts actually do tours, don't they? They go around and do tours. Maybe we should do podcast tour, a Drew and Graham oh, podcast Driffield tour. does have its own radio station. Oh, it does have radio station, yeah. I think we were the most exciting thing to hit Driffield. Okay, there's one out there, a doing Graham podcast tour. If anyone wants me to come to your county and uh, interview some interesting characters... And abuse people. Then, uh, you know, it's a possibility. Did you spot the Great Newsome Brewery beers? Because they are on the doorstep of Driffield, aren't they? Yeah. Our favourite brewer from up there. Do you want to have a brew dog layer cake, chocolate and marshmallow stout, Ben? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) That sounds like the worst thing ever. (laughs) In 2007, BrewDog took something like seven tonnes of malt from one of our maltsters. They're now taking 14,000. Isn't that quite good? I know their ethics can be a bit patchy, but still. Oh, brilliant. That's good. There's hopefully loads of our barley in there. So there's loads of our barley in that layer cake, Ben. Yeah, you keep trying to... You keep pointing at it, (laughs) and it doesn't sound any marshmallow and chocolate stout. Yeah, an interesting beer. What's to like in that? I got in here first and had the Lansdowne West Coast IPA. I bet that's nice. a stroke of luck getting that instead of that (laughs) one. Ian's given me half a can of... This is quite nice, this vocation. Yeah, he said, sniffing it, not drinking it. No, I'm drinking it. Right. Now, can I wish you happy birthday? Yeah. Not yet. No, I suppose you can, actually, yeah. What day is it today? Yeah, so Monday's my birthday, which is when the podcast comes out. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. What's Ian got you? Don't know. Surprise. <laughs> yeah, it the, will be. The usual. <laughs> Hopefully a profit off one of his trades. <laughs> that applies to everyone, by the way. Um, <laughs> we've diversed a little. Thank you for going up north and teaching them how to uh, speak English and stuff. So the UK looks brilliant as far as we're concerned. We're agreed. Yeah. Europe. What do we think about Europe? Tess said it was snowing in Poland. I was told by other Polish correspondent had been really good up to that point. There's a bit of moisture, so that's good. Anyone got any news? Yeah, haven't there been some Eastern European frosts, some quite heavy frosts? Scandinavian? I don't know. 
Has that done damage to the Danish multi-barley crop? Mm, yeah, potentially. I mean, this was mentioned in relationship to rapeseed, but I think it was mentioned minus 10, sort of like Oh, wow. OK. Well, we really should pay more attention, shouldn't we? Instead of go drinking in Driffield, we should be looking at things like that as a team. <laughs> All I'd say is that malting barley prices for new crop are outrageously high. Is that because of cold in Eastern Europe or is it because of the drought is progressing nicely in Canada again? They can't get the stuff into the ground. Yeah, I mean, I probably would if I was a feed. All farmers will just sleepwalk into combining feed barley and not sell it. But I would consider selling it now. And that includes malting barley. Forward Spr- so, winter with the premiums, with the premiums, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. They're but massive. If you want to send Josh and I to Europe, we'll gladly do a tour, Andrew. Yeah, we'll find other small towns to go and destroy. You have been to Europe before, Ben. I seem to remember there was your trip to Rouen, and where you observed a number of interesting things. And then we went to Antwerp, didn't we? Is that when Ben managed to get lost in the Reaper Barn in Hamburg? Well, there was then. No, we looked yeah. after him then, didn't we? Yeah. Where you went to get some money. Yeah, he went missing in a shady area for about half an hour. Couldn't find a cash point. Half an hour to get a cash point in a very shady area town. Did you ever find that cash point, Ben? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a long time ago, wasn't it? What was that Belgian town we went to? We went to Brussels. It was Brussels, not Antwerp. Brussels. That was when Ian got his pot noodle. (laughs) I almost got mugged on that trip as well. Yeah, you did. Uh, Did you? Yeah. What, late at night when you were going to get your pot noodle? I was coming back with... Brad, who a lot of people in the trade would know as a, as a broker, and we were in a bit of a shady bit, and we were, I mean, we were talking about three, bit? four o'clock in the morning. No, it's just walking through, and um, yeah, there's these couple of guys tried to hustle us and tried to, I guess, almost. Right, what did you, how did you handle that then? Well, I just realised he had his hand in my jacket pocket. Did he, Ian? Did he? Mugger's wet dream, you are. <laughs> First of all, he'd have stuck his hand in your pocket, and cobwebs would have come out and dust. Because you've never got any money. And second of all, you're in a shady part of town and a fella's touching you up and you're with Brad. Oh, my God. It was funny, though. Where we were booked as, as the hotel, it wasn't exactly the most salubrious sort of like location, was it? Overheads. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't. Because then we, the three of us went out for a beer, didn't we? And we were surrounded by pimps. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating watching. You did Funny. enjoy watching it, and yeah. I remember. <laughs> that was a good bar to sit in, because the beer was cheap, and the very expensive bar, you couldn't get a drink out anyway. And you're right, there's loads of guys, two or three phones, they're like picking them up. Yeah, yeah. That was quite fascinating, I felt. Yeah, I yeah, enjoyed it. Anyway, when is the next European tour? Where's the ball next year? Know. Do we know that? We should know that, shouldn't we? Yeah. Whatever it is, we'll be at that one, I think. The time we went out again. Right, everybody, are we kind of good? I'm going to be 60. We're going to miss the following week because it's Easter. You two need to get over your excessive alcohol. Yeah, everybody good? Yeah, good, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.